Dear Lord, I passed you for so many things before. Our strength to climb each mountain in my way. I pass for strength and health. I've even asked for wealth, but from this is the way I'll pray. Thanks for loving me. Thanks for Calvary. Thanks for the rip inside the nail-pierced hands, the crown of thorns you
they'll all pass away but there's something about that day Jesus 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 there's just something Lord, you're worthy of it 
for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve the glory no place i'd rather be there's no place i'd rather be there's no place i'd rather be
there's power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain. Break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain.
So before Larry passed, he had a dream <laughs> that they were going to sing Glorious Day and everyone was wearing black and white. <laughs> How cool is that? But uh, I want to celebrate. I don't want to live in grief. <laughs> I, um, I had a testimony several years back when the youth came to my house. And it was about the masks that we wear. <laughs> and we put on different masks. We put on masks like I was a cheerleader. I was a, a bratty kid. <sighs> I was a wife. I was a girlfriend. And we put all these masks on. And um, the Lord helped me get rid of those masks. See, I was a druggie. I was a drinker. I lived in sin. I was an overachiever in sin. Oh, my gosh, I was so good at sinning. And he took that from me. He took all those masks from me. And then three years ago, three years ago, I was, I had to pick up a different mask. And that was the mask of a widow. And I don't even like that word. I didn't want to hear that word. I didn't want to speak that word. I didn't even want to check the box. Because to me, I know we have a lot of widows in here. So don't take this the wrong way. But to me, a widow was, was needy and was helpless and was alone. And we are. We are that. But does God use a widow? And he showed me, Pastor. He showed me, he showed me three Marys. He showed me three. It's three years. Three nails, three days, everything's three. And he showed me three Marys. There's three Marys at the cross. I read that. I never knew. I never got that. And there's Mary Magdalene. We all, gosh, Mary Magdalene, we think we got it bad till we hear about Job and Mary Magdalene. And we all think we're better than that. And then there's, and then there's, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then there's, there's Mary, whose wife of, uh, I don't even know his name. See, it doesn't matter if you're a certain widow. It doesn't matter if your name's in the Bible. But it said wife of, I don't know, wife of somebody. And then there's the Virgin Mary. There's the mother of Jesus. And they're all, they're all at the foot of Jesus, the cross. <laughs> So I don't know what biblically that means, but what he showed me is that it doesn't matter if you're Mary Magdalene. It doesn't matter if you were the Virgin Mary. They're all, they're all the foot of Jesus, and they all came by different ways. They all came by different ways, and he accepted them, and he allowed them to be at his feet. And I am grateful that I don't have any more masks. I don't have any more titles. And I am at the feet of Jesus because one day he's coming. One day he's coming. And I'm going to tell you that when, they, when the Lord takes your spouse, it is, so, it is so much easier to crave heaven. I can't wait to go to heaven. But I'm asking today if you'll be a Mary. Men, I don't know what that means. But be like Mary, any, anyone, anyone from Mary Magdalene to the Virgin Mary is at the feet of Jesus. And he welcomes us, and he accepts us, and he transforms us, and I'm, I'm thankful. I know it seems like our singing got cut short.
but it's not. And uh, we're just waiting on God, letting God do what he's, what he's doing today. I thank him. I want you to remember my wife. My wife's not doing good. She's been on a medicine for a few years and uh, for this, what they called neuropathy. They didn't know for sure. They knew she didn't have the sugar, so they did. Usually that's what neuropathy comes with. But she didn't have that, and uh, now they've pretty well ruled out the neuropathy, but they think there's some kind of pinched nerve or something that's causing all these problems with her legs. But she can barely stand up hardly and hardly hold herself up very long. So I want you to remember her. She'd be here if it wasn't for that. And uh, I need her. I don't know if you need her, but I need her. And uh, I love her, and she's been my friend, and will be 49 years in November. And I don't know what life would be without her. So I need you to pray for her, if you will. Lift her up in prayer that God will have his way. God knows every life here, and he knows what's going on in your life. But I want to talk to you today about something a little bit different. And I probably say that every week, but to me it's something that God kind of jumped out at me. And I've been on it all week, and I've been thinking about it. And I want you to hear it because it might sound a little bit to you like that's not a happy time. That's not a joyful thing to talk about. But can I tell you something? God brings up what we need to hear. He brings to me what I need to hear. And as long as he does, that's what I'm going to share, what I believe he's telling me to share with you. And so today, I want to read a couple of scriptures, but I'm gonna, I want you to get a hold of something that God laid on my heart this week. Pride brings shame and destruction. Pride brings shame and destruction. And humility brings grace and mercy. Now, I want you to hear that because we live in a time when people are very proud, they have a lot of things, they have a lot of abilities, they have a lot of, uh, how do you say, um, talents, they are successful in a lot of areas, and when you tell someone like that to humble themselves before God, can I tell you something, it's hard for them to see it. That's why Jesus talked about the rich man, he has a hard time turning his trust off of the money and accepting that he needs a, a savior for his life. Yeah, he probably thinks I need him when I'm leaving here, but till then, I'll just stick with my money. But I can tell you right now, somewhere in life, and I want you to hear this, whether you're young, old, whether you understand what I'm talking about, pride is something you're going to have to deal with eventually. It is not come from God. It comes from this world. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 16, it talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it says, these are not of God. They are of the world. You've got to understand something. Of the enemy is out to destroy our families, our homes. He's out to, to get into you. He doesn't want you to stay humble before God. How many years what I'm saying? You've got to understand something. God's not going to give you just a little pat on the back and hand you everything you want and say you're a, a blessed of God and not, you don't need nothing. No, 
you're going to humble yourself before God. You're going to say, Lord, again, I know I need you again. I can't do this on my own. Somewhere along the line, you have to swallow your pride. How many here's what I'm saying? I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but I'm going to get it. I'm going to keep digging at it because I want you to hear it. There's a verse in Psalms 51:17 that says the sacrifices of God are a broken heart, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Now, one place I read, and it's in a 138 Psalm. There's one verse there. It says, Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, the humble. But the proud he knows afar off. That means the Lord knows where the proud are. He knows if you think, I'm good enough the way I am, I don't need fixed. He knows if you think, I'm good looking enough, I don't have to have no help. I'm successful enough. I've got a big enough brain and a big enough uh, amount of things that I want to do. I don't need God's help. God knows exactly what you're thinking in your mind. He knows the intent of your heart. But when it says, yet hath he respect unto the lowly, God says the Lord is high. Now think about it. In the other place it says God has no respect of person. But it says here he respects the low. What's he talking about? He respects you when you humble yourself and say, Lord, I need you. I mean, here's what I'm saying. If you come to the place where you learn to depend and learn to cry out to him and say, Lord, I want to live with you one day at a time. I want you to be in my life. I want you to guide me. I don't want you to, I want you to protect me from myself because myself will get prideful. Myself will get desiring things that you not going to please you. But it, it is something when God says, I have respect unto those when he talked about Mary Magdalene, had respect unto her. She humbled herself. She knew where she was, and she knew what God had done inside of her. Understand what I'm telling you. Until you come to the place where you realize, I need a Savior, you're not going to receive him as your Savior. Until you come to the place where you realize, I need him daily, you're not going to have a, a relationship with him. You're going to have to understand, you need him daily. You need him every day of your life. You need to hold on to him. He is the answer in life, and he's the answer when you come to death's door. He's still the answer. Proverbs 11.2 said, when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. Pride is basically the original sin. It's basically where Satan was. How many remembers that? If you read in the, in the Isaiah, the 14th chapter, in the 12th verse, I'm going to read about three verses, three or four verses there. In Isaiah 14, 12, listen to the haughty spirit of pride that was in Lucifer. Listen to what he says. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, Son of morning, 
son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, listen to all these I wills, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation sides of the north. I will ascend upon above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the most high. How many knows Satan was, was created by God, but Satan got too big in, his, in himself? How many knows God gave you who you are? What makes you think you can say, I didn't receive it of God? Some of you may be better in some areas than others. Some of you may have better looks than others. Some of you may have better raisings than others. Some of you have been uh, better health than others. But don't get prideful about it. Don't get to thinking you deserve it. You're special. You're only special when you get to the place where you know that you love him and you need him. But it says here, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Listen to 28th chapter of Ezekiel, 15th verse. You've heard these verses. Thou was perfect, talking about Satan, talking about Lucifer. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. How many knows iniquity, sin was found in Satan? What was that sin? It was the pride. Why? Because God had created him. It says he was perfect in his ways. God had created an angel and put him in charge. And when God created this, uh, this angel and put him in charge, he basically did everything perfectly. But one day... He rose up in himself. Sometimes as your mom and dad's little child growing up, you just seem like you're just perfect. You're so special. Everybody thinks it. Then one day, all of a sudden, something rises up inside of you and you begin to be somebody you ain't. You begin to look outside the door. You begin to take on things that you know when you do it, mom and dad won't be for this. This is against them. This is against what they taught me. How many knows we all got pride inside of us? We all got things inside of us that's climbing up inside of us. It says, by the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up. Listen to what he said about him. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. God knows exactly what was in Satan. He knew exactly what came out of him, what came out of Lucifer the angel. 
And he began to be in rebellion of God. Proverbs 16.5 says, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Down at verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Some people get too big for their britches. Some people, they used to say years ago, they need to be taken down a notch or two. You, you probably knew them in school. I knew guys who played softball and they would get a hit and they'd stand out there on the field and say, come on, I can't do it all. And I'd think, buddy, you got a problem. You got a problem. You don't realize it, but we ain't your problem. The rest of the ballplayers wasn't his problem. Sometimes we get real prideful in who we are and what we're doing. I praise God for people that's real smart. I realized they got gifts. I can watch some guitar players play, and I think to myself, my brain don't go there. I can't do that. I can stand up here and act like I'm busy, but sometimes I don't know if I'm hitting the right chords or not. And I'll try to look at Jacob or somebody, see what they're hitting. Can I tell you something? I don't care how good you do or how good you are. God has given you who you are. And even when you've worked hard and you've put it together, God gave you the ability to work hard and put it together. And God will bless you. The increase comes from him. So get over yourself. Let it go. See, God's looking for his bride. His bride that is set perfect before him. She's prepared. We can't be a, a, the bride if we're going to have our own pride. God's trying to clean us up and make us right in his eyes. One of the things that God hates is in Proverbs 6, 17, a proud look, it's the first one he mentions. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. Hands that shed innocent blood sounds like murder to me. But I also believe it's murdering someone's personality or character or coming against somebody and destroying them. See, why do we do these things? Why do we come against people? There's a pride inside of us. We don't want somebody else to get credit. We want to look as good as somebody else. When somebody else gets attention, it bothers us. See, that's the pride inside of people. Now, you know what? I'm not going to define the pride for you because pride can be a good thing. Sometimes you can look at your kid's room that's real dirty and say, ain't you got no pride at all? I mean, don't you think... You should at least clean your room a little bit. Pick up some of your garbage. See, we have, we have things that we want our kids that we want to be proud of them for doing. But be careful that pride 
doesn't enter in and destroy you. Because pride will get you in there to the place where you don't need God. You don't need church. You don't need to read the Bible. You, don't, you, don't have, you have no idea if I'm telling you the truth if you don't read your Bible. And if you are reading your Bible, you have the right to say, you know what? You missed it. Because I need to be corrected too. That's why I'll read stuff 20 times. Because I can't accept that my little brain is doing it. I want God to speak to me. I want God to show me. I want God to open up my mind and open up my heart so I represent him rightly. Not in my prideful self. Because pride will rise up in any of us. Some of you, uh, Betty makes beautiful cakes. She makes good stuff. Don't get prideful about it, Betty. But I like chocolate, must it? No. <laughs> She does do good stuff. She does make some good stuff. <laughs> but don't, you know what? No matter how good you are at what you do, I don't care if you're the best worker. I don't care what you think of yourself. Get over yourself. Listen to me. You only got a short time to live in this life. God is preparing you for eternity. Preparing you for forever to be with him. And he's not going to scoot over and let you sit on his seat. No. He, he and he alone is worthy. We're not worthy. He's worthy. We have nothing to offer him but ourselves. And when he uses us, see, I can look at my father. I can look back at people and I can say I'm so proud of them. That ain't a false pride. That ain't a, ain't a proud of he was better than anybody. But that he let God use him. Listen to me. Let God use you. God's trying to say something to somebody here. And I know last week I talked about your call. But I want you to understand something. For you to be used of God, you're going to have to let go of your pride. I'm sorry if it takes away your power and your credits. More or less, you can't. Some of these ministries, I think, are running on somebody's ego. And I get worried about them. And I ain't their judge. I'm glad they're good, better at what they do. But I pray that they keep their self in the place that they belong. First Peter. First James, 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 the fourth chapter. First, I'm going to read that. James, the fourth chapter, the sixth verse says, "But he gives more grace. Wherefore he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." And in First Peter five, five and six, he says pretty much the same thing. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elders. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. If you humble yourself before God, guess what? God eventually will bring you to a place 
where you will be doing God's will and you'll be amazed at yourself. See how many times, I remember my father telling how many times he would went to go witness to somebody, go to the hospital to visit somebody, and he'd feel about that big going in. But when he came out, he felt like a giant because God had given him what to say to somebody's heart and they accepted Christ. Can I tell you something? We can only be used when we humble ourselves before him. Luke 18. You've heard this story. Luke 18, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed with himself, saying, God, I thank thee that I'm not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. How many sees it? I tell you, this man went down to the house justified rather than the other. For every one that, is, that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. God can't use you when you walk into something proudly in your own pride. You got to walk into stuff knowing that I'm counting on God to give me what I need to do. I want God to be glorified in what I do. I mean, here's that. I don't care if you teach a class. I don't care which where you go to work and whatever God gives you, you need Him in it. It ain't how qualified you are. There are some qualifications that God is going to call you and push you into a certain area. But you need him with you in everything you do. It wouldn't do me no good to organize some great sermon for you, for you to walk out here and say, wow, that was good. You know what I want you to do? I want you to walk out with the understanding that pride will get in my way if I don't watch myself. And America will raise you up to tell you and your children, be prideful, have everything you need, get it all from the world. Get it all through the knowledge of books, through the knowledge of money. Everything you need to get is in the world. And it's not. It's not in your classes at school. It's not in your college. It's not in your bank. It's not in the wise people. It's in him. In him, he will lift you up. And you will be a child of God. Not in your pride. It ain't look at me. It ain't look at my suit or look at my tie or look at how I dress or look at what I say. It's look at our hearts. Don't you know God sees it before it happens? Don't you know he knows what's working inside of you? That's why he brings up these things, I believe. I want you to hear this. People with pride. 
How many's known people with pride? You think you have. Now listen to this. People with pride, they desire to be above others. Luke 22, 21. There's four things here, and I'm going to read these four. It says, Luke 22, it says, But behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on the table. Jesus is talking about Judas. And truly the Son of Man goes as it was determined. But woe to the man that whom he was betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves, the disciples did, which of them it, should, it, it was that should do this thing. Look at verse 24. And there was also strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. Wow. That's a real statement. You know the disciples was in an argument right in the midst of Jesus talking about the one that was going to betray him. They decided to say, who among us is the greatest? That, them are Christ's disciples. That ain't the world talking. That's, that's the world in them, but that's Christ's disciples. They followed him. Listen to what he says. And he said unto them, the kings and the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But you shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that does serve. That didn't come from just a good teacher. That come from the Son of God. He spoke to his own disciples about who's the greatest. Who's the greatest? The greatest are those that have become servants of me. Servants of the Father's will. How many knows what I'm talking about? Get this in your heart because it's important to you. It's personal to you. Which of the disciples? The first one was the desire to be above others. The second one was re rebelling against authority. In Numbers 12, 1 and 2, all the way back in the Old Testament, Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? And guess what happened? The Lord heard it. It says right in there, and the Lord heard it. What, is they, what are they getting criticized for? Did you know they didn't criticize Moses for his leadership role? No, they couldn't find nothing wrong with Moses. That's Aaron. And Miriam's his sister and brother. Somewhere in there, probably because Miriam's name's mentioned first, she had a little jealousy of Moses' wife. Something about her didn't like. And she, that's why I think her name's mentioned first. They didn't speak against Moses' authority. They spoke against his wife. Sometimes when we get jealous of somebody or sometimes when we're rebelling against authority, we might not be able to find what we want to do to attack the person we don't like, 
So we attack through their children, through their spouse, through something else. I'm sorry to tell you, it's true. You know what? We're just people here. Without the gospel and without the truth of the word of God, we'll run, a, we'll run away. We'll run away and get caught up in the things. I don't want to criticize nobody. When I see your children in sin, guess what? I look through your eyes and know that your heart's broken. So when my kids are in sin, please do me a favor. Look through my and my wife's eyes and know that we're praying every day for God to help them to get back in the place where they belong. I'm not putting you down. I don't sit on some pedestal saying mine's better than yours. Don't you know God won't allow that? Don't you know that when you begin to pass judgment on others, it's going to come back on you? You reap what you sow. Be careful what you say. I know Miriam and Aaron was good people. God had done a lot of good things through them. I think about Miriam singing that song on the side of the Red Sea, the other side of the Red Sea. I think about Aaron and all the work that God had put him into in the priestly work. And God had used them both mightily. But for some reason, they didn't like who Moses married. Whether this was actually Zipporah or she died and he married somebody else. Somewhere along the line, I don't know exactly which one it was. Zipporah was Moses' wife. But somewhere along the line, I guess she might have been shaded a little darker than the rest of them. I don't know if that was it. But somewhere along the line, they didn't like the who he married. Be careful what you say. You will answer for it. One way or the other, you'll answer to God. God knows what you're thinking and what you're saying. And God says people with pride rebel against authority. Uh-oh. Let me tell you something. I'm not saying this for my sake. You know what? You can look at me any way you want to. Pray for me. That's all I can tell you. I got faults. I got problems. I got things that, that I wrestle with every day. But I don't need your, I don't need your down. I need your help. I pray for you, and I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for this church. Because more than anything, I want Jesus to shine. And I want his love to go out to the families that are here and all the way through. All of our families, we need him. The third, the third one is rebelling against biblical truth. People with pride, they rebel against God's word. 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables you believe that that's going on in the church can you believe that that's that they've turned away from sound doctrine and after their own lust they heap to themselves teachers with itching ears they want somebody to tickle their ears. Somebody that say what I want to hear. 
Don't tell me I got a problem. Don't tell me I need to repent. Don't tell me anything but that I'm okay and I'm going to heaven no matter what I do. And don't talk about anything that's going on in my family because if, if you do, uh, then you're criticizing me and my family and we just can't go here. Well, let me tell you something. I ain't preaching Tim Pruitt's doctrine. If this is not what God's word says, and I'll leave it alone. But if it's what God's word says, I got to speak it, and it hits me before it hits you. We have to keep aligning ourselves with Him. That's why it's so important that you understand the Bible. Last week, and I talked about there's young people here that I know God is dealing with. He, they already know scriptures well as I do. Some of them. I've listened to them. I know what they, they hear and what they say. I know what their testimony sometimes has come out. I know sometimes their opinion that it comes out. And I can tell you they know, they know the gospel. But the enemy will tell you, sit back and do nothing. You're not needed. You're needed when you step up to God. That's when he'll open the door. Don't rebel against the biblical truth. The world around, the church world around is rebelling against the biblical truth. We can't do that. Hear what I'm telling you. You're going to hear this all your life because you're going to face these words all your life. The last one is people with pride. They're divisive and of a contentious spirit. Contentious means quarrelsome. They just can't get along with nobody. Uh-oh. I don't know of anybody here, so I'm not going to mention no names. But Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride comes contention. That's a quarrelsome. But with the well-advised is wisdom. In 1 Corinthians 3, Apostle Paul said this, For you are yet carnal. For where is theirs among you envying, strife, and division? Are you not carnal? And walk as men? For while one say I'm of Paul and another is I am of Paulus, are you not carnal? We're the church. We're not supposed to be looking at who we like the best. Who I like the best, I like him. I like my Lord, my Savior. He's my Lord. He's the one that wrote this book. He's the author, the finisher of my faith. I'm to hold on to him, not to let these things of the world, this envy, strife, and division come into my life. I got to fight the enemy off. You got to fight pride off. You have to have victory. Because pride, it says there, pride comes with pride. Only by pride comes contention or quarrelsomeness. That's where we get our arguing most of the time. Now, let me tell you something. I don't think it's wrong to set some things straight. I don't think it's wrong to speak the truth. But you better do it in love. 
And you better do it with grace and mercy. I, I used to, like I told you before, I used to stand on, on the chair, it seemed like, at work arguing about union stuff. And boy, all of a sudden one day God said to me, you're shooting down everything I ever taught you. You are ruining your testimony with those that you walk this earth with. Why? Because I thought I had to be right. I got to put the right statement in there. I got to correct these guys. These guys are way off. You know what? God wasn't going to let me get away with it. Because you know what? Those things are going to go on years and years. God's trying to correct me. He's trying to get my heart right. Learn to put things aside. But can I tell you something? When the days of Sodom and Gomorrah came, there wasn't space for repentance. The right things were being done. Judgment was coming. Did you know judgment's coming upon this world? Do you think it's wrong or do you think it's right to sit back and say, okay, the world says be tolerant with all sin? I'm going to tell you something. I'm a parent and I'm a father. And I got children and I got grandchildren. And I might keep my mouth shut every time God tells me to. Mind my own business. But be careful. Because if God tells me to say something, I'm going to say it. And I love them. But I love them enough to tell them. I love them enough to warn them. Why? I ain't nobody. But God, through our lives has brought up forth these children and grandchildren. And can I tell you, they need to know the truth, not what the world's telling them. So Christian, it's all right to speak up and speak against sin. Now, I don't mean you got to hate nobody. I don't mean you got to rise up in your own pride. That don't mean you got to be self-righteous because you ain't no better. You, uh, most of us that open up our mouth need to remember when we were there because we acted just the same way. Nobody can tell us nothing. That's why I was a quiet kid. I didn't want to speak up. Dad would knock my head off my shoulders. Him and Mom both. You know what? They told us the right thing. But when we thought the wrong things, we learned to keep our mouths shut. Maria brought something up the other night, Thursday night. She brought this up, and she wrote it in this paper. And I kept it, Maria. I wanted to read it today. Why? Because I want to read it right now. It was King Agrippa, and where, it's, where Paul was testifying to him of what happened to him. And King Agrippa said, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And I want to tell you something. I've been around Christian-centered uh, people and testified to them. And I had one boy tell me, he said, yeah. And he just started crying. He said, I need to get saved. And I, I turned right around and said, come on, buddy. We'll, we'll pray right now. He said, well, I can't go to your church. And I said, what? And he said, 
my wife wouldn't let me. Now, he was serious he could be. And him crying. And I said, don't you think maybe you could lead her in the right direction? Oh, you don't understand. She's Catholic. She'd never go to your church. And he walked away crying, but would not pray with me. And he cried because of what we were talking about, about how Jesus died for his sin. It says here, King Agrippa, Maria wrote these down. I wrote down above it, Maria, his pride caused King Agrippa. He didn't want to turn from darkness to light. Why did he refuse? He rejected turning from uh, darkness to light. Some people like their darkness. Some people like where they're at. They don't want to change. They like their sin. He didn't want to turn from the power of Satan to the power of God. He liked what Satan was feeding him. He had a, it had a strong hold on him. He couldn't see that he could walk away from it. Another one is he didn't want to receive forgiveness of sins. How many sees Agrippa's pride in all of this? See, he's got so much pride, he's standing against the witness of the Spirit of God because I believe when Paul walked up there, the Spirit of God was dealing with him. When Paul began to tell Agrippa what happened to him and how he was destroying the church and God changed him, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and told him what happened to him, I'm convinced that the Spirit of God was already working on the other end, DJ. But some people, their pride, Causes them to reject what you're saying. He didn't want to receive forgiveness of sins. He didn't want a place among God's people. That would have cost him everything. He didn't want to become one of those set apart by faith in Jesus Christ. See, we want to fit in the world. We don't want to be set apart. When kids grow up, they're under peer pressure to be uh, to fit in. Can I tell you something? We worry to death. Moms and dad worried about buying them the clothes that to make them fit in and getting them all of the things that they need to have, the right cell phone, the right everything else to make them fit in. And then as soon as you get them all fitted in, guess what you're going to do? You spend the rest of your life trying to pull them back out of it. Let go of that. Who cares what your name's on the back of your pants and the holes in your pants? Who cares? We was embarrassed we had holes in our pants. They buy them that way now. How many knows what I'm talking about? Sometimes our pride of worry to death about having our child to fit in, and then we have to worry that they did fit in, and now we've got to pull them back out. And, that, and it sometimes it's so simple. It's that way. But how many sees the enemy using that pride? He uses that to draw us in. I got to have what my neighbors got. They're, I, I think they actually come out there and look every week that somebody cuts my grass. Does it look as good as mine? Well, I need to go mow mine again. 
He did, they did a better job on his side. I need to go mow mine again. Isn't that pitiful? I know it's silly, but that's how easy pride can work on you. Pretty soon you'll hate your neighbor. It leads into it. Come on back up, baby. John, the 27th chapter, or John, the third chapter, 27th verse. I want to, I want to just save this to the last. John the Baptist. John 3, 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from a heaven. You yourselves bear, wit bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. What happened was, John's disciples found out Jesus was already out preaching the gospel and baptizing people. And John was baptizing people. And they brought it up to his attention that, hey, you remember when you said that when Jesus came to you and you baptized him? Do you remember? Said, you know, I ain't worthy to latch his shoes. And I'm just the forerunner. I'm not the Christ. He is the Messiah. Well, now he's out uh, preaching the gospel. Listen to what he says. Verse 29, he says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which is John, which stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. How many knows? Listen to me. John knew his place. When they started talking about John's doing, he's given his life up to, to come out of the wilderness preaching Jesus. And now Jesus has stepped on the scene. Did John get jealous of him? Did John get nervous about it? No. John said, I'm not the Christ. Listen to what I'm telling you. But to know his voice is going out. And I hear it. It's fulfilled my life. Listen to what I'm telling you. To know that I hear the voice of Jesus Christ. To know in me. Listen to what I'm going to tell you now. Because it's the most important verse in there. John said it real clear. He must increase. I must decrease. When you come to Jesus, guess what happens in your life? You got to understand, he must increase in you, and you must decrease. Listen to what I'm telling you. That's what's wrong. We're trying to find a, some position or some place that we fit in. Don't you know all you do is fit in with him, and he will increase in you, and you will decrease. Praise God. There ain't no greater there is no greater call in your life to know that I have him inside and he must increase. He must increase every day. Whatever I need to do, I need to get me out of his way and let him have his way in my life. You hear what I'm telling you? I can't help what America comes up. Next, the next generation, they might have telephones that walk for you. Carry you over to your car. 
and the car will drive for you. I don't know what they're going to have. Matthew, I have no idea what tomorrow holds. They think technology is going to be the answer to everything. It ain't saved one soul. Not one. And there's no joy and pleasure. And there's no joy, therefore, fulfilled like John felt inside to know the voice of the Messiah speaking. Praise God. When John had it, he see, we got to know where our place is. John knew where his place was. He must increase. I must decrease. If you find yourself there, guess what? That's the right path. Don't walk away from it and say, I did that one time. No, that's your life. Let him increase in your life over and over and over. Things he did years ago. Praise God. I had somebody come here one time. And they said, what happened to all the singings you used to have? I said, well, we went through a time where we had a lot of singings. At the time, the church was growing, and it was a time when a lot of people went to singings. We started having them in our own church, and we'd have big crowds. We'd invite churches from other, uh, singers from all the different churches would come, and we'd have big singings. Many people would come. It was a beautiful time. But can I tell you, God did a great thing then, but God's doing a new thing today. He's doing great things today. We don't have to do what we did yesterday. All we got to do is let him increase in us today. He'll show you what to do. John the Baptist knew his place and he exalted Christ. Our place is to exalt him. Put him first in your life. Put everything else behind you. Take your pride, you know, give it up. Give up. You give up. When you get saved, you give up the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. You, you have to turn from those things. Well, it says right after that, and the pride of life. You have to turn from the pride of life. Because, see, there's things in us that will cause us to go back and rule ourselves, And we'll be rebellious in all these things that was mentioned. We'll rebel against authority. We'll rebel against biblical truth. We'll be argumentative, contentious all the time. You just can't please me. No matter what you do, it ain't going to be enough. You might please me this month, but next month I'm probably, probably going to be upset about something you said. How many knows? It ain't you. It's God. We have to get God inside of us and get our eyes set on Him and upon His Word. Put your pride down. Surrender yourself to Him. I know this message is different. I know it's something that just sounds like a teaching class. But I got to tell you something. God put this on my heart. And I think to try to prepare a church and prepare this church and all the church in the world for Christ to come back for his bride. 
guess what? He's going to deal with us in every area. And one of those areas is the pride of what's going on. I heard somebody say the other day, everybody wants to come to America, but there'll be a day when nobody will want to come to America. You hear what I'm telling you? If we keep going the direction we're going, they won't want to come to America no more. We're destroying everything that we're doing. It's not just the killing of babies. It's what we're doing to babies when they grow up. We're destroying our children. Why? Because we want to live in this world and of this world. Everybody stand if you will. As they sing something, God's been speaking to you about this. If you, if you feel like you're not saved, you come up here. If you want to you be saved, you can be saved. If you want to draw closer to God, you can do that. But we have to focus our eyes upon what God is doing. It's never going to change. The message is never going to change. We have to turn to Him. Turn means turn from what you're doing. If he's not first in your life, you know where he's not first. You know what it is in your life that draws you away from him and draws you away from God's people. I ain't talking about filling this church up with people that, that just does what we want. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you following him. While they sing, you come. But when I 
I look back at my children growing up, and I can see things that they did that I was very proud of. They might have been good at sports or something that they did, and I was happy for them. I was glad. But can I tell you the greatest day of my life was when they came and gave their heart to God. There are no day compared. Maybe I got past those days of pride. Maybe I, God was working on me. But I realized when they found Christ, that was all I ever wanted for them. Wasn't how good they became at anything. Because all of it's a short end. But Jesus is eternal. And it's the right path. It's the path that brings you to humble yourself before God. Say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I just want to be your child. All my life, Lord, help me to be your child every day. I need you, Lord. Don't you understand all the good things that you can teach your children or they can become? It's a one-day thing. It's just a short glory road. I love it when I see ball players that have played ball professionally. And then they begin to come to a place where they found Jesus. And they have a testimony about how God changed their life. Because you can tell those that really found it that it's really real inside of them that it's bigger than all the things they did in sports. Isn't that something? This gospel's a big thing. What Jesus did is a great thing. It is the answer for every single soul. For your children, my children, it's the greatest day. I don't care how smart they get or how much money they got. If they don't know Jesus, they're lost praise God for his grace praise God for his mercy see it's something that we can't physically do for ourselves we just have to accept the gift of grace and mercy of God he loves us and he wants to forgive us and he wants to make us his children make us anew Praise God for his mercy. Hear what God is saying. 